Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Numbers 19 through 21. One thing that I hope you are getting out of going through Leviticus and Numbers is I just hope you're seeing that there's more in these books than maybe you had previously thought. I hope you're seeing that, yes, while some things may be hard to understand, some things may be antiquated and not something we are currently supposed to engage in, there are still major lessons for our lives. And one of the lessons that I hope you are seeing is sin is serious. Sin is no joke. God is not messing around with sin. And I hope that makes you take your sin more seriously. And I hope that also frees you to embrace the beauty of the gospel, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is better than we realize. Your sin is more serious than you realize. And if you come to grips with that, that makes the good news even better because all of that sin can be forgiven. And we're going to see a glimpse of both aspects of that as we look today at Numbers 19 through 21. Now, chapter 19 is about purification and specifically uh, talking about the purification that is needed when you come in contact with a dead body. And even there's this interesting part at the beginning about a red heifer. If you go to Israel today, I think one of the more interesting places you can visit is the Temple Institute. Now, the Temple Institute, they have tried to follow all of the biblical instructions to have everything ready for as soon as there is a green light to build another temple in Israel, they've got it all ready except for the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you can see even a big golden lampstand that they have built for a new temple, but they say they don't have the Ark of the Covenant because they believe they know where it is. A lot of rabbit trails we could go on there. But one thing some people are doing, even connection to this um, Temple Institute, is that they are trying to figure out somewhat how to genetically engineer red heifers that we see here, but there was this specific cow that was supposed to be used to make this, um, what they would use then for purification for the water that be used for purification when you came into contact with a dead body. Now, one thing, maybe just to step back and think through here is the context instruction here for purification when you come into contact with dead bodies, guess what the Israelites are probably doing a lot of in this period? Coming into contact with dead bodies. 600,000, just a little over that, warriors are numbered in the census at the beginning of the book. Two of them will make it into the promised land. If you do the math, that means on average for 40 years in the wilderness, they're doing 40 funerals a day for these warriors. 
And that's not including other funerals that they might do for other people outside of those that were in the census that are dying in this time. 40 funerals a day just for the warriors. And as we see in some of these passages, obviously there were some days where it was much more than 40 as people die in plagues as consequences that God brings for their sin, for their complaining, for various things that they do, various ways that they rebel in the wilderness. So even just the need for purification points us to, well, a lot of people are dying and a lot of people are dying as a result of sin. But we see another picture of the seriousness of sin. And this is one, this is one of the reasons why I think numbers is so underrated. One of the things that we will see in Numbers 20, I think if more people really grabbed hold of this idea, and I even think, especially men, especially husbands and fathers, if more of them grabbed hold of one verse we're going to see here, I think a lot of families, churches, men would be a lot better off for it. But here we see the waters of Meribah, where once again, the people are complaining, uh, saying, would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? Same old song and dance that they are often doing. And so Moses and Aaron, they go and they seek the Lord and God tells Moses to speak to the rock and the rock will yield its water. And Moses goes and he says this, he says, here now you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice and water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. But you see here, Moses, he does not obey what God told him to do. He doesn't do what God told him to do. And even his response seems to be uh, tinged with anger. Calling the people rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock and striking the rock. And then this is the thing I think more people need to listen to. What God says to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Wow. Many times, it's it's in response to the sin of someone else that we sin. Think about it. The, The people are sinning. And it's somewhat in response to their sin that Moses sins here. But how often is that true for us today? Parents sin in response to the sin of their children. Their children are complaining or sinning, and and parents respond in anger, respond harshly. The same thing happens within marriage. The same thing happens often within churches or within workplaces, within so many places where somebody sins in response to someone else's sin. And this is what we want to do. We want to say, "Well, well, well, they did this. They did this. And we need to stop that. And we need to say, no, when I sinned, even if they sinned, you know what happened? I didn't believe God. And I didn't uphold him as holy in the eyes of whoever it is that I am in conflict with here. 
If more people really embraced that, if more people really understood that, and if more people really confessed that, ah, the world would be a lot better place. We need more people when they sin, even if it's in response to the sin of someone else, to say, I didn't believe God. I didn't uphold him as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. And you see how serious that is because God now says, you are not going to go into the promised land. God took that very seriously. If we think the sin of someone else makes my sin not so serious, we need to listen to Numbers 20. But even though our sin is so great, God's mercy is great. And we see a picture of that as we get into chapter 21 with the bronze serpent. Again, we see the seriousness of sin. The people complain again. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Yikes. Fiery serpents wreaking havoc in the camp. So then Moses He prays and God says to put a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, a bronze serpent, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Now, one of the reasons this passage is famous is because Jesus references it. And Jesus makes a comparison saying, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the son of man be lifted up. And this beautiful picture that those of us that look on the son of man, look in faith on Jesus on the cross, we can be saved from our sin. And so here, again, we see the seriousness of sin, but we see something that gives us a little preview, gives us a little snapshot of the beauty of the gospel. Can you see those things in the reading today? Can you see how serious your sin is? Can you own up more seriously to your sin? And can you then also see the beauty of the solution that God has provided? He has provided not a serpent for you, but his son on the cross. And we look on him in faith and we can live. We can be forgiven. Now, despite all Israel's failures in this, what we see towards the end of the passage is Israel starting to take possession of land. Notice that phrase in verse 24, when they defeat King Sihon, and then at the end of the chapter, the very last words of chapter 21, when they defeat King Og, they talk about possessing the land. So already, even though they haven't crossed the Jordan, we're getting more close to them being in that area. We see them now taking possession of land. That's God being gracious. Despite the rebellion of these people, God is leading them toward the promised land and they are beginning to take possession of the land. So remember, your sin is serious. It's more serious than you probably are willing to admit. But the more we admit that, the more we are freed up to see the beauty of God's solution for our sin in the gospel. I hope you see that today and I hope you see Leviticus numbers They're not a waste of time. This is God's good word, able to revive our souls. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.